Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you, food bloggers who are seeking value for your blogs and also looking to make improvements in your lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Carly Bittner from cookingwithcarly.com, and we will be discussing quick food blog growth. Carly is a stay-at-home mom who has managed to turn her brand new food blog into a full-time gig in the first eight months of food blogging. She has a deep passion for bringing women in this world together, making sure each one feels valued and loved. She uses this concept to fuel all of her posts across social media and her blog. This unique perspective as well as some smart business moves, has helped her to create a recognizable brand and a thriving business in a very short period of time. Hey, Carly, I am super excited to chat with you today about your amazing growth and the strategies that you've employed. But before we dive in, take just a minute to give us a quick fun fact about yourself. Okay, so I was thinking about the fun fact, and I think the one thing that makes me most unique, I guess, something that not very many other people experience is that I live in a super, super small town and I actually have cows and I have a sheep. (laughs) I have a lamb and I only have traffic if there's horses in the road in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you had a sheep and a lamb. That is awesome. I do. His name is Blackberry and he's very cute. And I have three cows. Oh my gosh. What are your cows names? So my children named my cows. So no judgment. (laughs) We have Belty. He he looks like an Oreo. He's black and then has a white belt. And then we have Minnie. And she had a calf and her calf's name is Mouse. That's adorable. And I don't think I told you this, but my son, my nine-year-old, is obsessed with cows. He, oh, no way. he has been since he was like tiny. So when I tell him that I have a friend who has cows, he's going to be really jealous. <laughs> and then he'll want to come visit you. <laughs> well, he's welcome to come visit me. <laughs> That is awesome, Carly. Let's get on to our main topic today and the reason that you're here, just discussing strategies for growing a food blog very quickly like you did. Carly, you are seriously amazing. I heard you speak at the Mediavine conference a few months ago and I loved hearing your story. I think it inspired everybody who was listening, just about how you got started and the effort and the thought you've put into this job and also your passion for it, as well as your passion for others and helping others succeed and achieve success. It was super inspiring to hear about your journey, which is why I'm happy to have you here today to share your story with other food bloggers. So I would love it if you just started by telling us a bit about your background and how you entered the world of food blogging. Yeah, sure. Um, And thanks for those nice words, too. Oh, absolutely. So let's go back a couple of years. Um, I currently live in Utah. Um, A couple of years ago, I was on the East Coast. My husband was doing grad school. 
Um, and then he graduated. We moved to Utah. We moved away from all of our super close friends from Connecticut. We moved to this place. I mean, we're, we're close to family, but not close to family. I didn't know anyone. I had just had a baby. So I had three young kids, four, two, and zero. And I was just down in the dumps. Um, I remember just like counting down the minutes until we get home from work every day. And as soon as he'd get home, I'd just start crying Aww. because I was just all I I am is a food baker and a bum wiper and I I couldn't I I couldn't find my place if that makes sense. I was doing nothing for myself and I feel like a lot of women are, are this way. I feel like a lot of women were all service oriented and and mom comes last all the time and that was true for me, especially my husband says all the time, I was basically a single mom during grad school. He was gone, you know, 14 hours a day, all the days of the week. And so I was just done and I needed something. And it was actually my cute husband who talked me into starting the blog because he could see that I needed an outlet. I needed a place for me to put effort in and to reap the rewards from those efforts. And I've been a longtime follower of blogs and um, I've followed this blog, the blog is Lauren's latest, for years, like years. I know all of her children's names. I know all about her life because I followed her for so long. But she's always been transparent about how blogging is her career. It's her full-time job. And it was February of 18, yeah, 2018, that she did live on Instagram. And she talked about how she's made blogging her full-time career. And she said in there that her husband went to grad school and she really started going gung-ho with her blog. You know, I've got to make this work. And she said that she and her family and her husband graduated from grad school debt-free. And we just finished grad school and we were a lot of money in debt, still are. And that was mind-blowing to me. I had no idea that you could make money blogging. And so Dan and I watched this together and then he talked me into it and he was like, you really should do this. It took him like a whole month to talk me into starting the blog because I I honestly didn't think I could do it. I was like, I can do the photography part. I was, this is little fun fact. I was the digital photography club president my senior year of high school. Nice. So the photography thing has been, I love photography. That's always been a passion of mine. So I knew I could do that part. But I personally, I was like, I am not cool enough. <laughs> Bloggers, are, they're so cool. I, I put them on this pedestal of like, they influence the way people think. And I'm not cool enough. Like nobody cares about me. Like I can't do this. And he talked me into it. I'm so glad I did it. And I'm no, I'm no cooler than I was then. Oh, Carly, I think you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you think I'm cool. It has helped my outlook and my, you know, I don't struggle with the sadness like I did. I I struggle with anxiety almost every single day. And when I'm working on the blog, it really has helped me personally to have that outlet and to be able to shoot a recipe, write the post and get it out there and have people give me positive feedback. And that's really been helpful for me. I think that food blogging does that really well. Like it just gives you so much to do. There's never a lack. So if you do suffer from anxiety or like if you're bored, if you're lonely, then it's such a great avenue for curing that, basically. So I love that that worked for you. For me, it's really helped to channel my energy in a different direction. That's ultimately why I started the blog. And then I I remember thinking about, okay, so what is my value? Why would somebody want to follow mine? 
And one value that is so important to me, not only just on my blog, but just through life in general, is just being kind. Everybody's included. I don't want anybody ever to be offended by anything that is seen on my blog or on my social channels. I just want everybody to feel included. I have opinions about things. That's not what I use my social channels for, I guess. I I want everybody to feel better about themselves after they leave my blog, after they watch my Insta stories or anything like that. I want them to, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. I don't want their self-esteem to suffer because I say something. I don't know. I just want everybody to leave feeling better about themselves than they did before they came. That's so refreshing. I love that you have that as kind of an underlying theme for everything that you do. I think that's pretty unique. I mean, we all do try to be kind. I think there are very few food bloggers who are out to just be rude. Yeah. To like be able to say that that's your underlying theme, I think is so cool. And I love it. I just absolutely love that about you. Oh, thank you. It's been interesting because it's received different ways from different people. And I I always try to give people the opportunity to feel good about themselves, I guess. So give them good recipes or or Thanksgiving, I challenged everybody to, you know, when they're at the grocery store, pick up an extra box of stuffing and canned corn or whatever and drop it off at your food pantry. Just little things like that, that I feel like I have a responsibility now to be an influence for good and to spread goodness and spread happiness. Yeah. Because there's just not enough of that in the world, I guess. And you have an audience, you have people who are listening. So yeah, let's spread the good stuff, not the bad stuff. Yes. Yes. So where did things go from there? So your husband talked you into this, you were hesitant, but you just dove in and obviously you grew very quickly. So tell us some things that you implemented in order to get to that point. My mom gifted me an instant pot. I love my mother. She is like, without her, this could never have happened. (laughs) So she gifted me an instant pot. And I, when I got it, I, I really didn't know how to use it. And there were not a lot of recipes out there for it. I remember searching on Pinterest and I'm like, there's nothing like there's nothing, you, you know, there, nobody had written anything. So if you were stuck with the book, like the little booklet the manual. Yeah. And you're like, this makes absolutely no sense. I know. <laughs> and <laughs> this was not helpful. So true. And so I kind of just had to figure it out. And I just, I really destroyed a lot of food trying to figure things out, you know, and testing things. And oh man, chicken, what used to be like my worst nightmare, but until you, you figure it out and you, understand how everything works. And so while I was trying to figure it all out, I joined some groups on Facebook and I was an active participant in those groups. And I asked questions. I answered people's questions. I would share pictures of the dinners I've made. And I started realizing that everything that I was sharing was getting quite good traction. Um, people were, were enjoying what I was sharing and they were liking it. They were commenting, they were asking follow-up questions. And this was at the same time that Dan was trying to talk me into the blog. And so I thought, okay, well, if I could use these groups to gain traffic to my blog, get traction, then like this might work. I might be able to do this. And so that's really what I did from the get-go was I focused on Instant Pot recipes. So it was super niched down. And I religiously posted into those groups. And I was shooting a recipe every single day during nap time and quiet time. And after my kids went to bed, I would edit those photos. I would write the post. I would publish it that night. And then I'd share it into the groups the next day. So I did this for a good four, five months straight. 
So I, I felt this overwhelming need to have, have it all on my site, have everything. Because in my mindset, it was if somebody lands on my website somehow and they think I want to make brownies, there needs to be a brownie recipe for them if they search for that. I don't want them to search and have it be like, there's no results for brownies. And so I needed to get it all on there so that if people were looking for it, they could find it there. And so I did not sleep. I was very tired. I slept. Oh my. I actually slept the best, like those, like the first year of my blog than I have ever in my life because I was just so dang tired. Exhausted. (laughs) Because I was just exhausted. I, my head would hit the pillow and I would be out. (laughs) But I bet I did that. And being consistent like that. And I also feel like in inside those Facebook groups, I was I was me. I was just like everybody else. It wasn't some fancy blogger. And you know, I I, I owned up to it all the time. It was like, check out my recipe here, or what whatnot. And um, people in those groups, they still know who I am. And I post in there, uh, you know, a couple times a week now, um, usually like two times a week. And I get people commenting and they, they know me for me. And I think that's so important, especially when you're trying to grow a blog is to connect with your readers and make sure that they feel like I want everybody to feel like they're my best friend because I feel like everyone's my best friend. <laughs> Whenever anybody yeah. comments or anything like that, I like, I would totally love to like hang out with them in real life and just chat and I think that's so important. And so that pushing all of the traffic from those Facebook groups were essential. So I was able to hit the 25,000 threshold for Mediavine within the first 30 days of me um, starting my blog from like purchasing my domain name or whatever. That's amazing. And it was all thanks. Well, thank you. (laughs) But it was really thanks to um, Facebook groups. And I, I think the groundwork that I kind of had laid up before because people knew me before. I started the blog because I was active in there and um, being consistent and always having new um, new posts out. And I think that really helped too. But and with all of that, I also from the get go really focused on SEO. For anybody who's starting out, it takes a good six months before Google will recognize anything. And so, but it was true. It was like once I hit my six month mark, I really saw an increase in my my search traffic. And now. Um, back when I started, it was definitely Facebook was my highest traffic source and then Pinterest and then Google. And now it's Pinterest, Google, then Facebook. So it's been an interesting flip, but a welcome flip. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important that you pointed out that it does take months before Google recognizes that you're putting out consistent quality content, because I think a lot of people get caught up with that. Mm-hmm. Like I've been doing this for like three months and like, dude, you've got to just wait patiently keep doing what you're doing. So I think it was really good that you pointed that out. And it's consistency too, and making sure you have quality content also. And I was lucky enough to have a friend. She used to be one of my neighbors. And when she saw that I was starting out um, a food blog, she reached out to me and was like, Hey, you're starting. This is so cool. And so she's been invaluable to me. Last night, I shot her a text and said, um, I'm looking to hire a content writer. Do you have a contract for a content writer? She said, sure, and sent me over hers. And so that been, or just to ask silly questions like, uh, how am I supposed to do this? And she's been great. 
that's another point too that I have um, with growing quickly is to find those good blog friends. You need the blog friends because I I love my my family. I love my personal friends, but blogging is weird. (laughs) It's really (laughs) nice to have somebody who gets it and is like, you can talk Facebook strategy or how you're pinning on Tailwind or whatever with, and it's okay. You know, it's a normal thing. Well, it's a very niche topic. When I was hanging out with you and, you know, a couple other food bloggers in Chicago, Mm -hmm. it was so nice to be able to talk about things like this and not get the glassy eyed. Yes. You know, like what really again, we're going to talk about SEO again. Like, yes, I think that is a very, very valuable thing to just make sure you make those connections with people who understand you because like you said, Carly, food blogging is weird. It's true. And I feel like food blogging is such an all-inclusive thing. I feel like my mind goes a million miles a minute all day long, every day, yeah. thinking about food blog stuff. And even at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. When you can't sleep because that happens to me now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to be able to get that out and be able to talk about keyword research. I remember in Chicago, I went to dinner with some friends and literally while we're sitting there waiting for pizza, we're all on Ahrefs and like talking about different keywords and why you should name a post, like all of the things that I'm sure table next to us were like, what are those crazies talking about? And we were all like passionate about it. (laughs) But it's, it's so nice and it's needed. And one of my favorite ways to utilize these friendships too is for accountability purposes, because for, you know, a regular day job, desk job, whatever, you've got the cubicle next to you, you can chat all day, you've got your coworkers, or even Back in the day at, when I was in high school, I worked at Subway. So I had my coworkers at Subway and it was like, hey, I'm going to do this job. You do that job. Yes. Back up here, you know? Yes. And so I, I do this with my my blog friends all the time. And I'll give Alia a shout out here at Longborn Farm. She's one of my very best personal friends, blog friends, everything friends. We talk almost daily, if not multiple times a day with all things life, all things blog, like all things, everything Bachelor. We, we talked about it all. Did you say The Bachelor? I love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is off topic. But she'd never seen The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. And I talked her into watching it. And she watched the entire last season of The Bachelorette in like two and a half days. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love you even more. My husband makes fun of me so bad. Like, really? This is like the biggest piece of trash. But once you get started, it's impossible to stop it. Yeah, to quote Elle, she texted me, she said, I'm officially deep into the black hole and I'm not even mad about it. (laughs) I completely understand, Ellie. (laughs) Yeah, but anyways, when we're both working... We will uh, text each other or we use this app called Marco Polo all the time. Marco Polo each other. Oh, love Marco Polo. Yes. Everyone should download it. Download it now. Um, Mm -hmm. And she will say, okay, I am scheduling my blog posts and I also need to schedule some pins. I want to have that done in 45 minutes. What are you working on? And then I'll say, 
I'm editing these pictures right now. So I want to have the pictures edited and the pins made and the first half of the blog post written or whatever in 45 minutes. Okay, put in your headphones, listen to music, or we like to watch cheesy Netflix romance movies. Yes, I love it. (laughs) Um, And we'll talk back in 45 minutes, say, Kay, did you get it done? Or do you have any questions on it? Like, how can I help you with that? And so it's just this accountability that is so fantastic to be able to encourage each other because I I truly believe that there are enough people in the world for every blog. There's enough eyeballs. There's enough ads. There's enough money. We don't need to be fighting over these things. Like we need to just be friends and we need to help each other out and support each other. And everybody's blog will grow if we do that. I, I really believe community over competition all day long. Yes, absolutely. And food blogging is kind of a lonely job. So mm-hmm. having that accountability, like you said, is so helpful because it's easy to get distracted or want to do something else. So I love that you guys keep each other, hold each other accountable mm-hmm. and like check back in. That is fabulous. And I think every food blogger should have that little personal accountability assistant. <laughs> yes, like conferences. Seriously, conferences. Yeah. conferences. I met Ali at the Tastemakers Conference oh, last yeah. year. So, and we actually live super close to each other. And so we get together and see each other in person like at least once a month. It's been it's been really great. So conferences are like the perfect place because everybody's going there not knowing anybody or everybody I found it's so inclusive. Even the big mega mega bloggers are so kind. Yeah. And they want you to succeed and they're happy to help and they want you to come sit down with them and just chat. Yeah. Just like a normal person. I will say this is off topic slightly, but for conferences, I went when I went to Makers, I was kind of nervous because I kind of felt like a phony because I knew like huge time bloggers are there and I'm like, I've been blogging for six months and <laughs> I, I don't know really. I don't know, you know, and I just told him, my husband, I told Dan, I was like, I'm just going to pretend like I'm as cool as everybody else. I'm going to fake it till I make it. <laughs> and so I really did. And I feel like when you do that, you are an equal to everyone. And even though when I met Natasha from Natasha's Kitchen, because I watched her stuff for a long time, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm as cool as you. I'm as cool as you. And I sat by her and I talked to her and she's the nicest. I actually ended up going to dinner with her one of the nights from Tastemakers. And we talk now, we're friends. And it really is. And when you fangirl someone, you just put them up on a pedestal and you put yourself below. You automatically put yourself below them. And nobody that's listening is below anybody else in this food blogging industry. Nobody is below anyone. We're all the same. We're all human and we're all just equal. I really believe that. Yeah. I mean, there really is no reason to do the pedestal thing because we are. And I love that you went into Tastemaker just like... <laughs> believing that about yourself, I am going to go in there and be as cool as the rest of them because it's so easy to get caught up in like feeling like you are beneath everybody else. Mm -hmm. So I love that you did that. And it was exhausting, but totally worth it. It is. I know. At the end of the day, weren't you just like mentally drained? Yeah. (laughs) 
It's because it's so hard. Because I really, person, like, I would really rather sit in the corner by myself and not talk to a single person. And that is, I feel like a lot of people are that way. Yeah. So it is so exhausting to, like, put yourself out there and be uncomfortable and talk to people, especially those people that you've really looked up to for a long time. And But it's worth it. Fake it till you make it. Absolutely. Fake it till you make it. Of all the things you've mentioned that kind of helped launch you into success. So you mentioned, well, your mom, first of all, because she bought you the Instant Pot and your husband, because he encouraged you, um, the actual Instant Pot itself. And then you mentioned Facebook, those Facebook groups that you utilized and also diving into SEO. What would you say has been the most valuable of all those things for getting you a ton of traffic? Facebook groups, 100%. And this can work for anyone. Like you don't have to have an Instant Pot. For this to work for you. Yeah. Facebook groups are like, I believe, gold, especially right now because Facebook is the groups are what they're focusing on right now. They're trying to push groups. If you scroll through your newsfeed, you don't see anything from your friends. All you see is the content from the groups you're in. There's a Facebook group for everything out there. Just search. So, so just a quick example is I was talking to a girl that, um, her name's Haley. I met her at everything food conferences here. We just happened to sit down at the same table for dinner and I was asking her about her food blog and what her niche is and stuff. And she told me that she's she was toying with the idea of niching down and writing a blog for people who have diabetes. She says her husband has diabetes. And so she cooks delicious food that he can still eat. And she's like, do you think that's too focused? And I said, no, like go for it. And I told her, you search for groups. There are support groups out there for people with diabetes. And guess what they're looking for? They're looking for a blog that has recipes on there that they can eat that are delicious, you know? And I'm, I'm like, that is those Facebook groups are your target audience, like wrapped with a bow on top. Like, here you go. And being able to supply your content in front of all of those eyeballs is just invaluable. Absolutely. Um, And so she, she, did that. And she sent me a screenshot of her analytics. Um, the first time that she posted a recipe into those groups, her traffic isn't giant by any means, but her traffic that day was easily 10 times higher than any day before that, just from sharing and getting your content in front of you know the optimum um, eyes, people that need your content. The people who are looking for it. And also some of those groups are massive. The Instant Pot groups that you're talking about mm-hmm. are huge, like millions of people. So that's a lot of eyeballs. It, it, it totally is. And it creates your fan base. It creates people who come back to you. And those loyal readers that you want, they can be found there. And then what is really, really gold is when people in these groups. So people in the instant pot groups will see the post that I've posted in there and then they themselves will make it and then take a photo and share it with the link to my blog. And so that's like second, second proof that this recipe is delicious and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it, that sends traffic to my blog. I would urge everyone to, you know, search for those Facebook groups Um, but also make sure you're active in there, that you're not just using them to push traffic because that, that rubs people the wrong way. Understandably. Um, Yeah. They're, they're not dumb. They're smart. They know who, who writes the blog. And there's a couple of people that are bloggers in the instant pot groups. There's a couple who will try to, um, 
has anybody tried this before? It looks really good or something like that. And I'm like, girl, that's your own blog. Like, <laughs> that's, that's yours. yours. Like, <laughs> you know? And so I would always say, make sure you own your stuff. Try to give out extra tips when you're sharing it um, or something like that. And then also make sure that you're not going crazy or else Facebook will really not like you and you may go to Facebook jail. So don't share the same thing to 10 groups within two minutes of each other every day or else you will spend some time in Facebook jail. Yeah. <laughs> that maybe happened to me at the very beginning. I don't know. <laughs> Facebook jail is not a good place to be. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, that is such a valuable tip. And you actually shared that in Chicago. And I have to tell you that my Facebook traffic has gone up immensely since implementing your little strategy. So yeah, super valuable. I'm so grateful to have that nugget myself. And I know that others are going to find that valuable too. So thanks, Carly, for sharing that. You're welcome. Give us some of your best SEO tips. SEO tips, I would say, are to really focus on your keywords and write so it's keyword rich, but also not like a robot to make sure you always fill out your alt tags on your on your images. And, um, you know, that the alt tags purpose is for the visually impaired. So if somebody who could not see, they would get your alt tag instead of seeing the image. So the alt tag needs to be a description of the image, but it can also be keyword rich. And so that's what I always try to do is to mesh the two together. So for an example, like a final shot photo. I just made, I just did some honey wheat bread yesterday. So the final shot photo alt tag would definitely have the honey bread, you know, final photo bread sliced with butter and honey on it or something like that. So that the person can get a, a, an idea of what the picture is, but also have the, have your keyword in there. Um, and then another thing that I've tried to do, especially lately, I was really bad at this at the beginning, um, is interlinking everything. You know, thinking of your website as this giant spider web of everything pointing to everything else. I was bad at that at the beginning. And I maybe have assigned Dan to do that for me. And it's awesome. <laughs> you may have. <laughs> maybe he sits down for an hour before bed every night and links one post into like Aww. 15 others. And I just love him for it. What a good husband. Uh, he is. He's so great. Um, so that is something that I've been working on lately and it really has improved my rankings. It's been amazing to see. Um, I was, I was like almost ranking for no baked cheesecake. And so we went to all of my higher ranking posts and linked to it mm. and linked to it and all my other dessert posts. And, and it, it gave it a boost. It was amazing to watch. And so it's been, it's been fun to watch that over the last night. We started doing this in May. And so the last three or so months and, to be able to see my rankings rise before my eyes just from interlinking because I didn't have any internal, I didn't have many internal links, but now, now I'm interlinking much better. So that has really helped. I learned from Ty Kilgore from Everything Food Conference about the anchor text, which was, this was something I didn't realize, but makes total sense is he encourages you to change the anchor text of your links. Mm, so for example, for my no bake chocolate cookies, like with the oatmeal, you know, chocolate peanut butter cookies, that has different keywords, right? And ideally, because it's, you know, no baked chocolate cookies, no baked chocolate peanut butter cookies, no baked chocolate oatmeal cookies, like you can name them everything. Right. Um, ideally, you rank one for all of those, right? And he said, 
every time you link to that, use a different keyword because Google is reading that link and seeing what it says. You know, you don't have to use your post title, change it up. And so I've been doing that to different keywords for you no, know, no big cheesecake, no big cheesecake recipe, easy, no big cheesecake, things like that. And, and switching up those anchor texts in hopes of you no know, starting to rank for multiple keywords for one post, because that would just be glorious. <laughs> that's a great, I mean, that's such a little thing, but it's such a great tip because it can do massive, difference. Yeah. You said that you saw it increase before your eyes. And I think that's something we all want mm-hmm. to see that. So I love yes. that. Do you have any other SEO tips for us? For keyword research, I am I am like the cheapest person on the planet. <laughs> Although Dan tells me, he's like, you're not cheap, you're thrifty. Oh, <laughs> Better connotation there. Oh, okay, thanks. I'll take it. But I do not like spending money on things. I just I just want to keep my money and save it for a rainy day. Yeah, I don't know why. Absolutely. I, don't, I don't like to spend it. And so I use, it's called the Hoth for keyword research. And they're going to want you to sign up, but you don't have to. It's really free. So just don't do it. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> they, they try to get you to. Don't. Yeah, it's really free. Um, but that's what I use for keyword research. And you can also look up your SEO rankings there too. And so I use that in conjunction with um, Google Search Console. That's a great one too. One more. Answerthepublic.com. Oh, yes. Is amazing. So be forewarned, there's a very creepy dude when you type in www.answerthepublic.com. He likes to stare at you. And if you don't type fast enough, he'll look at you like, why why, why aren't you typing anything? So you just type in your, your keyword <laughs> and it will give you literally all of the questions that people, like the most common questions that people ask the internet. Ask Google about your keyword. And it is so helpful because that is like, I, I just go and answer those questions. I look there when I'm writing my posts and you know, how do you store fresh bread? I will answer that post that will answer that question in my post or, um, how do I freeze or can I freeze cheesecake? That is a great question. And people will be searching for that. And when you answer these questions and when I, when I, uh, write out my post, the question is always in an H2 tag. And then I answer just in, you know, a regular paragraph. Um, and so Google can pull out those keywords. I, I use the keywords within the question. It's telling Google, like, this is a very helpful article. It's answering all of these common questions. That's another great little thing. And I feel like people are going to go visit that website now just because they want to see the creepy guy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Have you ever visited it? I have. I know. (laughs) It's a creepy guy, right? I'm I'm tempted to go just see him right now, but I'm going to (laughs) resist. Oh, oh, okay. Resist and mute your computer because he would, he talks. I didn't know that. <laughs> and I've been there so many times and then my computer wasn't muted and all of a sudden he talked to me and I just about peed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Who is in my house right now? I know. Who's I talking like, to me? What is going on? <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, they've definitely got us talking, right? <laughs> yeah. Good job, creepy guy. Super awesome SEO tips, Carly. We have not touched at all on Instagram. I'm curious to hear your like top two or three Instagram tips because I know you're like amazing on Instagram as well. I just really enjoy Instagram. That's the one that I actually like personally enjoy. And I enjoy it because I feel like you can connect with people. My tips would be to have the story up 
every single day, even if it's just like a picture of food and saying this looks good or something if you're sick or something like that. But have a have a story up every single day because that is how your followers get to know you 100%. They don't get to know you through the through the post in your feed. They get to know you through stories. Um, and that's how they see your personality. Personality. That's how you get those super fans is by being consistent with your stories and being yourself 100%. I am proud to show like my not showered self and, you know, and just be real because you know what? 95% of the people out there feel the exact same way. And that's refreshing to them to be like, okay. Although I will say you can go too far. You can go too far. Like, for example, I'll share this on, on the podcast, but I won't share it on my Insta stories. Is that my youngest daughter right now? For some reason, I cannot keep the girl dressed. She's two. She just turned two. <laughs> Every time I turn around, she is naked, dancing and staring at me. And it's like thoroughly disturbing. Oh, yeah. That but, can stay like, off of Insta stories. <laughs> that, that can stay off of Insta stories. That's like, I can mention it, but like, it doesn't need to be a thing, <laughs> you know, yes. it, it can definitely, you can go too far, but I think it's important for people to feel related to, for you to be relatable to people. Yeah. So Insta stories, number one. That's the beauty of Instagram stories. I think is that it's allowed us all to be a little more real, like you said, right? which is so refreshing because social media is like this big, perfect world where we have to be like just total perfection all the time. So I think all of us feel that same way that Instagram stories are so awesome and just yes. like different in a good yes. way. Yes, I agree. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I would say to stick a, to create a schedule and I'm not perfect with this. So don't go look at my Instagram if you like, Charlie, <laughs> not your preach. Um, but create a schedule and stick to it for your Instagram posts and to always make sure you're providing value, um, with your Instagram posts, like for your newsfeed. Um, I schedule with Planoly and it's free. You, they have a paid version, but I use the free version. Of course, of course. Um, and so I, I usually will just schedule the night before for the next day's post because I like things to feel current. And, you know, I, I like, I like to put, I don't know, some, everybody does their feed differently. And for me, I like to put in just kind of my real life along with the food pictures. Um, yeah. And so I like things to feel current. I know some people who will schedule, go on on Sunday nights and schedule the entire week. And then they don't even have to think about it, which, you know, I'm not going to lie. It would be nice. Maybe I should be more organized and do that. Um, but to just be consistent and consistent with time too. And to play around with the timing of when you post. Because I used to post at like 10 in the morning, 1030 in the morning, just so I could check it off my list of like, okay, check. I've posted on Instagram. But then one day I forgot or probably wasn't forgetting it was probably like my life is insane and I have three small children and I haven't gotten to it yet <laughs> yes and, and so I posted at like 6 p.m at night like as they sat down for dinner I was like okay I'm hurrying posting this and then I'll like go eat dinner and I got so much better engagement and I think and I was like what why have I been posting so early you know and so to to fill it out and see what your audience um how your audience reacts and when they're actually on Line and not just online while they're eating lunch, um, you know, at work and just mindlessly scrolling when they're on and interacting. And say my, my third tip 
would just be to utilize Instagram for your blog by asking your readers and your followers what they want. Um, I, I've done this quite a bit and I love doing it because it's, it's instant traffic. It's instant traction. Uh, if people are invested in what you're working on, they're going to be invested in the blog post too. So for example, I was in charge of making cookies for all of the ladies at church for, for mother's day as like a mother's day gift from the church. And so I, um, I had two flavors that I had down. I didn't know what the third flavor should be. And so I posted to Instagram and I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm making like, I can't even remember how many it was. I think it was like almost 300 cookies. And I was like, I'm doing a chocolate one with cheesecake frosting. I'm going to do a regular, just plain sugar cookie with vanilla frosting, but I need a third cookie. Here are three different options. Which one would you want? And I have never had so much engagement so quickly on a post in my life. So many people are like, oh, that one sounds good. No, I want this one. And then I followed through. I made the cookies. I kept them up to date as I was testing the cookies, as I was photographing the cookies. And then once that post was done, everybody was so hyped up about it that they went to the post. They made the cookies. They posted about the cookies. And so that I feel like is is an opportunity that gets missed a lot with Instagram because you are connecting with your readers and they all have an opinion and they will tell you what they want if you ask them. And engaging them in the process. I love that you did that. Like you, you allowed them to help you decide and then like you kept them up to date. I think a lot of us do that initial like, okay, what should I do? But then it trails off and we kind of forget. Mm-hmm. But I love that you followed through and kept them involved throughout, throughout the entire thing. So that's really yeah. smart. I love that. And Instagram stories are really good for that too with the polls and you can like ask people directly, what do you like? What don't you like? So I think Instagram is a really great tool for getting to know your audience and like following through with that. I want to hear some kind of motivating tips from you because when you were speaking at the Mediavine conference, one of the things you said that I absolutely loved, um, you said something along the lines of you can make time for anything if you really want to. And this is something that I live by because there's just so much truth in that. If there's something you really want to do, you will find a way to do it. <laughs> and I saw, I can't remember where I saw this, but I saw a quote recently that was something like, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. At different times in my blogging life, I have been caught in the trap of, you know, making excuses. And we hear all the time people are like, I don't have time to post every day or post twice a week or whatever, fill in the blank. But what that really means is like, it's not a priority for me. It's not that you don't have time for it. It's that you're not making it a priority. Because if it were a priority, you would be doing it. That just like really rang with me. I was like, yes, go Carly. (laughs) So I know that you've got like these great motivating tips. So impart anything else that you have with us along those lines. Okay, so I believe what I said at the Media Combine Conference was, if it's important, you'll make time for it. You'll have time for whatever is most important in your life. 
Um, and so with, with that, you know, at the Mediavine conference, I kind of laid out what my day-to-day looks like. And it's kind of insane because I have three. So my, my kids now are six, four, and two. And so as you can imagine, my life every day does not look like blogging. You know, it's, it's taking care of kids. It's making lunch. It's going to the park. You know, we go and feed our lamb, go check on the cows. We, you know, we do a lot during the day. And so I feel like myself or anybody could have any excuse in the book to not blog, to not work. And, you know, this summer has actually been hard for me because I have fallen into the trap of excuses because, you know, I'm tired and it's, I don't get to start working until 9.30 at night instead of starting at 7. It's like we're outside, we're doing things. And that first little bit, I worked from 7 p.m. until 1 or 2 in every single night. And then my kids would wake me up at 7 in the morning and we'd start over again. And it oh was important gosh. to me, you know, and the blog, it still is important to me. And that's why I make time for it. You can make time for whatever is important. And you have so much more time than you think you do. Um, decide if you really want to know how much time you have. Quit social media for a week and you will be floored at how much extra time you have on your hands if you're not scrolling Dan calls it thumbing. He's like, are you thumbing over mm, there? I like um, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I did that last October. I took a week and I didn't go on social media. And I, Dan actually took over my social media for a week. If you scroll back through my Instagram, That's you can awesome. find all of the random pictures he posted, about, posted of me <laughs> and wrote about me. I love it. <laughs> but he took over for a week and I was amazed at what I could accomplish. When I, you know, it's amazing the time that you have, what your priorities are. So I think motivating words, I think is just that there's no excuse that you just need to be really honest with yourself on what your priorities are and what you really want, you know, outsource if you can. That's like, I just emailed a content writer last night because I was being super honest with myself and looked at my, you know, I, I organized my my blog and everything with a Trello board, looked at my Trello boards, and I was like, I have literally 16 recipes that I've developed, I've taken pictures of, and they're just waiting for the content to be written. And do I have this fiery burning passion to write all this content? No. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I would really enjoy the help, you know? And so I think just to be super honest with yourself and hire out those those parts that are not as fun for you when you need to. Um, I hired a VA a couple months ago. And so I don't schedule my Facebook anymore. And I don't schedule Pinterest, my tailwind anymore. And that has been a game changer for me also. Just being able to be honest and saying, you know, this this is my job, but it's not my job to do everything. Um, and in one of a Facebook group that I'm on, a blogging Facebook group, somebody said that she looks at herself as like the CEO and chief of her business or like think of it as like a magazine like oprah magazine right oprah does not write every single every single article in her magazine she oversees it she's in charge and she has somebody that does photography for her she has somebody that writes for her she has all of these different jobs but it's still her magazine but she doesn't write everything in it she doesn't take all the pictures and that's okay you know and that's that's a great outlook to and it was hard for me too to give up even 
scheduling Facebook, the Facebook posts that go live onto my page. It was hard for me to give that up because I was like, but it's me. It's supposed to be me, you know, but you can't do it all. You'll burn out if you do it all, all, all the time, all by yourself. Yeah. So look at what you can hire out and hire out when you, when you feel the need and you know, if the funds are there, but you can do it by you. If I had to, I could, I could go back and do it by myself. Absolutely. But I am now to the point where I feel like my time is more valuable than the time that I could, that I'm, that I would spend on those things. Yeah, that's great. And if you don't have a fiery burning passion, like you said, for something, then consider doing that if it's feasible for your budget. Obviously, that has to be a factor too. I had one more thing I was going to ask you. Okay. So obviously gaining traction quickly like you did. And then you said that you did posts every single day for four months. That is insane, Carly, but so awesome. I am super impressed that you were able to accomplish that. But did you experience burnout during that time? And were you able to take time for self-care for yourself? Um, Okay. So first I have to preface and say that I have always loved cooking. I've always loved baking and I've never been a recipe follower. So these first four months, there didn't, there was not a lot of testing involved because I was just cooking and baking. Usually, did I was making dinner for my family. I was, you know, baking cookies in the afternoon, whatever, and I was just taking pictures of them. And so it was just like what I what I normally done. There wasn't a lot of testing because I've made them for the last however many years. So that part, I don't think a lot of people understand because they're like, how in the did you do that? It was really, I was making dinner for my family or a treat in the afternoon and taking pictures of it and then working that night. But I did do that to get a lot of content on my that website. That kind quickly. of helps me understand. And I think when a lot of us start out, we kind of go through that same evolution of just like making our favorite recipes and maybe it coincides with dinner or you know, afternoon snacks or whatever. So that makes more sense to me to know that you weren't like (laughs) testing every recipe and then probably going through the same steps that you are now at the point you're at now. Did you take time for self-care for yourself and when? Because it sounds like you were busy all day with your kids and then working over nap time and when they were sleeping and then blogging into the wee hours of the morning. Yeah. So when did you find time for yourself? So um, as funny as it sounds, I felt like my blog was my self-care and my self-time. Um, because it was like this new little passion of mine at the beginning. I was so excited about it. I literally couldn't sleep. Like I'd wake up at three 30 or four in the morning and I would just <clears throat> hop on the computer and start working because I could not handle it. Um, yeah. Cause I was so excited about it. And so I felt like in the beginning that was my, my self care was working on it. And I got so much satisfaction out of, you know, editing the photos that I thought were so fabulous. But now I look back and I'm like, those are so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. um, I think we can all relate to that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, But besides that, you know, now I do try and take, you know, time for myself and do things for myself. Um, I I volunteer um, with church. And so you know, I go on Sundays and then in the middle of the week, I go and I volunteer with the youth of my church. So they're That's 12 awesome. to 
18 year old girls and so i go hang out with them and last week we went yeah. ice walking and you know we'll go get ice cream or something like that and i really i totally enjoy doing that um well, it's just been, I really feel like the blog itself has been self-care for me. I can totally relate to that because I have been blogging forever and I still feel that way. I'm like, I am the one who wakes up at three in the morning thinking about a chocolate bundt cake. I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, goodness, woman, get some sleep. What are you doing awake right now thinking about food blogging? And my husband thinks I'm nuts. He's like, are you ever not thinking about this? But really, I mean, you were talking earlier about just kind of itching to get into work, especially in the summer when things get later and you're going to bed later. That's totally me. I'm like dying to get to my computer and get some stuff created and things written and so I totally get that. And I think that, again, that's another reason why we should be connecting with other food bloggers, because a lot of people just do not understand that. But with all of that said, there is a point where I'm just like done, like I need a break. So I love that you get out and you volunteer and you hang out with, you know, your youth group and just get a totally different scene and change of pace because once in a while it is necessary, even if our work is our self-care. For sure. When you said that, I was like, yeah, I totally understand that. And I think a lot of food bloggers would um, align with that as well because we love it. We love what we do. And I never would have thought that I would find anything that would be like that. I think it's a, a huge blessing. Like, I'm so grateful that I love my job so much, but that it can just like kill me too. Like, oh my gosh, I have mm -hmm. got to take a little bit better care of myself sometimes. Right. Yeah. And I feel too. And I, we do, I go um, running most mornings um, with my kids. We go to the park and I, we have this awesome park. There's a park in the middle with soccer fields all around and then there's a sidewalk that goes all the way around the perimeter so I can run and my kids can play in the middle and I can nice. see that it's amazing but oh um, that's perfect so and I think that helps too I can really tell the days that I don't exercise and don't get out and get moving because yeah I feel like for sure sedentary too and so get out and get moving is very important. Um, other things that I do for when I'm done, when I'm like, okay, I need to do something else. I really, I love listening to audiobooks and I actually listen to audiobooks too yeah. while I'm like shooting recipes I, and, and working at night editing photos. I listen to lots and lots of audiobooks and really cheesy, um, like Hallmark type movies. <sighs> Just give me all the <laughs> give me all the love. We're learning so much about you, Carly. <laughs> but. Oh, you're so funny. Yeah, exercise is a huge one. I too notice days when I don't exercise right away. Yeah. My whole day is like off. So I think just starting your day off with some movement helps to frame your day somehow. I don't know. There is a magic to it. I have one last question for you and then I promise I'll let you go. If there is one aspect of food blogging that you would recommend a new blogger puts their focus on to start gaining real traction, what would that be? Um, I would say quality content. I would say I think that's what I would focus on because if you're creating content that your uh, your target audience wants, they will come to you. They will find you. And so, and I think being consistent with that quality content will bring you traffic, not only with Google, but, you know, over on Facebook, especially if you're in some Facebook groups, Facebook will bounce off to Pinterest when 
people from Facebook go to your blog, they like it, they'll pin it to save for later. And that helps the Pinterest game out. And so I, I really think that I would focus on getting the content on your site first and worrying about followers later. That is great advice. Carly, you are amazing. I am so inspired by your story. And I know that so many other people are as well. So thank you for chatting today. I sincerely thank you for taking time out of your schedule because I know you're busy. You've got cows (laughs) and children. (laughs) So so I really appreciate you taking the time today. Your words are going to be very valuable for people. So thanks. And before you go, I know you've already shared a ton of value with our fellow food vloggers. But if you have any additional favorite quotes or words of inspiration, I kind of like to end with something just killer. Okay, so this is my family motto. We, I, It is printed. It's framed on my wall, literally. It's like the only thing that's hanging on my wall. That's not a lie. <laughs> I live <laughs> in an apartment. And so I'm like, we don't need to mess with decorations, but this is on the wall. And it's a quote from Jerry Rice, actually. But it says, today I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I can do what others can't. And this is something that we live by, my family lives by, I live by with the blog. Sacrifice a little bit today. Sacrifice a little bit of sleep today to get out that blog post so that in the future, you're going to be leaps and bounds ahead of X, Y, and Z of where you could have been. I just, I, I love that quote. It's so inspirational to me to just sacrifice now so that in the future, we can, you know, do do the hard things now so that you can set yourself up for the future. I love that. And I love how that actually describes you in a nutshell and your journey. So <laughs> you have like lived out that phrase. So nice work. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. Well, Carly has a list of favorite resources relating to all of the topics we talked about today. And those can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Carly with a K. Uh, spelled K-A-R-L-I. Carly, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. So you can find me at my blog is cookingwithcarly.com and my handle everywhere. It's just cooking with Carly besides Twitter, but Twitter, I don't do Twitter. So you don't, you don't need to follow me there. I have like literally 12 followers. Yeah, same. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) I know. I don't think it's probably necessary that you go (laughs) seeking those out but maybe that will change who knows (laughs) awesome well thanks again carly and thanks for listening today food bloggers and i will catch you in the next episode we're glad you could join us on this episode of eat blog talk for more resources based on today's discussion as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.